0: Good morning. Good morning today's scripture reading is from paul's first letter to the corinthians the 31st verse of the 12th chapter to the third verse of the 13th chapter the reading is also in your bulletin if you are able please stand for the reading and yet i will show you the most excellent way If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Um, If you don't know, my name's Dave. uh, That's right, that is my name, Dave Nystrom. And I'm a professor uh, at Western Seminary here in the Sacramento area, uh, professor of New Testament, mostly. Uh, I do publish in church history and Roman history. So my PhD was in two areas, New Testament theology and Roman social history. Sounds like lots of fun. (laughs) 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 Yeah, getting invited to be the entertainment at kids' birthday parties all the time, stuff like that. Um, Some family, you can't choose. Some family, you can. So somebody, I, I was here early, and someone came in and said, "Are you the guest speaker today?" And my brain said, "No, mm-hmm. I'm not a guest." So I'm like cousin. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I can't just. I, I'm not family every all the time, but I'm enough that I'm at home. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. I hope, I'm hoping you feel kind of that way a little bit, but so thank you, that's a, a privilege for me. Um, so uh, yeah, this is as exciting as my PowerPoint gets, so this is already, we're at the top of the excitement um, scale. So that, that's, our, uh, that's our text for today. I'm calling it, the title is a more excellent way, which is the quote from the passage. I'm not being able to my oh so uh, I'll just we just read it but I'll but we'll read it again together and and uh, or I can read it for you or you can read along whatever you would like to do that's fine if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I'm a only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. So this isn't a long passage. That's it. That's the whole passage. So you might be thinking, that means not a very long sermon. That's what I'd be thinking. <laughs> we'll see. You may be right. So the opening of our passage is actually the last phrase of the previous passage, the last phrase of, the ch- of chapter 12, where Paul says, and I will show you a more excellent way. And then he opens with those short statements that we just read together. So the first question then is, a more excellent way than what? So uh, a couple this, this is my outline for what we're, what we're gonna do today together. Uh, first section, Roman number one, how do these three verses relate to what's gone before? Uh, what about the contrast in, in, in those verses we just read? The clanging gong and resounding cymbal kind of thing. And then uh, that's all actually a mirror showing us something about ourselves. So that's where we're going this morning. So the place in the letter, you may remember that um, will be called First Corinthians. It's Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And uh, uh, he had been there for uh, a year and a half, so he spent a lot of time there. They knew him well. Some places he goes and found the church. He's only there for three weeks. That ain't a whole lot of time. But he, he's in Corinth for quite, for quite some time, year and a half. And he knows these people well. And um, the first part of his letter, chapters one through six, he's responding to a letter that's come from a group of people called Chloe's People. So that's a woman's name, and that means that's the house, that's a church that's been meeting in her home. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. The first letter to which he responds is a letter from a, from a woman led, you know, a woman's church, a, a church in the home of a, of a wealthy woman. So that says something about, um, uh, well, I mean, you just wouldn't have that anywhere else in the ancient world, that, you, that someone in a, in a position of importance would respond to a, a letter from a woman. So this tells you something about the ethic of of the early Christian community and um, how we view people. And then in chapter 7, you may remember, chapter 7, 1, he says, and now about the letter which you wrote, meaning the letter from the church as a whole. So both of the, and then we don't know quite where that went in. Somewhere, Paul stops responding to their letter and just starts, he's sort of transitioned into what he wants to talk about. Um, Don't know quite where that is. So, um... But both these letters are about, are about problems, interpersonal problems. And here's the basic issue, Uh, they're human, that's the basic issue. Um, I imagine you're a little bit like me in that many social situations I'm in, you can see, I can feel myself and everybody else figuring out who's got the social power here. And we, 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 we have markers for that, the kind of car we drive, or maybe what kind of clothes we're wearing, or our vocabulary, or, or something else. Um, and I've even had people say to me uh, every once in a while, um, well, that's enough of you, isn't it? Okay, I got my sense of where I am at the <laughs> in, the, in the pecking order. And the deal is, uh, in, in the ancient world especially, they had very few opportunities uh, to, for their natural human desire to be important to, to, to be expressed. And so people were joining a chur- the church, not realizing it wasn't just another kind of thing, like a bowling league or something. Where, where, and people would pick a church or pick a group, like, I've got a pretty good chance to be an important person in this group. And so a lot of these things are about the way they're expressing social superiority or trying to. And, the, and many of the things he has been talking about uh, is uh, about spiritual gifts. People have been granted special gifts, spiritual gifts, or abilities. Einstein, 1905 wrote, published three seminal papers. He was uh, working at a patent office, a clerk. He wasn't even a a, a college professor. But these changed the way we, you know, we not, I don't understand it, but the human race understands, uh, understands physics, understands the whole universe. And that when it comes to relativity, he said, several times, he said, you know, I didn't work it out by a formula. I had this brilliant insight and then worked backwards. When I was in third grade, one of my friends was mistakenly given the teacher's edition to the math book. (laughs) And we never told anybody, (laughs) because we already had the answers to everything. That's a little bit like what Einstein was doing. He, he, He worked backwards from what he knew was the answer, this insight. Now here's my point. He didn't deserve that. That was given to him. It wasn't like he earned it somewhere. And so what Paul is saying to the church is, oh my gosh, some of you have the ability to, to speak in tongues or whatever, and you're making it all about you. Like, aren't, aren't I awesome with extra awesome sauce on me because I have this spiritual gift. And, and Paul is saying, holy moly, because they're usually to say I'm more important than somebody else. And so Paul is saying, no, those things are gifts by definition a gift is something that you didn't earn so that's that's the background and so Paul's saying wow all these spiritual gifts you have that are that are great they're they're important for the health of the community but don't turn them into something about you you didn't you didn't earn them they're not for your for your being for your being recognized as the most awesome thing ever, for you to you know, cut in front you know, with every line you're ever in. They're not about you. They're a gift God gave you. So don't get so excited about yourself. So the basic question people had is, how can I use this group of people <laughs> to advance me? And there were all kinds of clubs like this. People thought this was, I mean, like, the, like their version of bowling leagues and, and the international order of the Odd Fellows, whatever that is, and, and uh, uh, so they had hundreds of these clubs, so people were joining them thinking, this is a chance for me to have a, have a you know, have a chance to say I'm better than other people. And Paul says, no, that's not what the, what the Christian community is about. Paul says, you know what, the church is an organism. I don't know how many associations we're involved in in our lives where we're, we actually understand it as an organism. But but an, an organism, all the parts of an organism need one another. So what Paul has just done in the chapter right before, he's talked about the church as a body. So we actually need each other. So we're not disassembled parts of a body, arm. Thyroid, etc., lying out on a on a on an assembly line, but we're actually organically connected. Now, if if your understanding of yourself as a body is such that you've been anesthetized, so you don't actually understand feel that connection, as pa- as Paul says, when one part suffers, every part suffers. Well, if you're anesthetized, another part's suffering, you don't suffer because you don't feel it. But just because you don't feel it, don't mean you're not bleeding. So Paul will say, Wow. Look around. Go ahead, look around. See, I'm actually saying that right now. Look around. I mean, if you're if you're in a in a local Christian community, the way it's supposed to be is we actually need each other. And we actually are connected whether we know it or not. But if we don't understand we need each other, if we don't live into that, then we're not gonna be able to function properly as a whole. So the church is an organism. So for that body to function properly, the parts must work together. We're not distinct organisms competing for resources in the same ecosystem. We're not like a bunch of piranha in 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 a 10 gallon fish tank. Instead, we're one organism, and so we actually need each other, but, but, you're, but you're operating like you're competing against each other, like you're separate organisms, and I think it's very hard for us to get, get our heads around that idea, because our whole lives we grow up thinking we're pretty much ourselves, and yes, we feel connection to family or, or, or to a spouse or something else, but I don't know, I've been married 37 years, and... and um, you know, my wife isn't there yet, but I, I'm thoroughly past being interested only in me. <laughs> oh, that was just that's a lie. So I mean <laughs> I had that experience just this morning where I'm realizing you're gonna you're gonna I'm thinking to myself, you're gonna talk now about how you're feeling? I mean, I've gotta I've gotta go and preach at a church, you know, what I mean <laughs> See, that's me still thinking, I'm my own organism. Not, sorry, not we are different parts of one organism. So we're one organism. So I think we maybe think of ourselves as passengers on a plane. I've been in line, my lines, I'm, the lines I'm on on a plane are usually the last lines to get on. Um, uh, and, I, and I don't think, I don't, I don't think I think of the other people around me as part of my team. Um, I try, I think I try to be a pleasant co aisle. 64 person, row 64 person, and I, I try to not get too, you know, try to like open the bathroom door, which is usually right next to me for, you know, for people. Um, but I don't think of myself as I'm part of the same team. Now, I want the crew to think of themselves as the same team, I want them to. But I don't want the guy serving breakfast to then say, Oh, I've got to go fly the plane for a while. You know, that, that's going to freak me out a little bit. So we all, have, we all have roles based on our gifts, but I, as a pastor, I don't think of myself as part of the team, but I, want, I sure want them to be a team. So the church, ecclesia, that's Paul's, that's the word for church, um, is, just, is not just a collection of passengers or consumers. I think sometimes we think about church as cons- like, we're a consumer, what can this do for me? And sometimes that's how folks understand church, but nope, the church is a body, it's one organism. So number one, we're not primarily individuals competing with, a, with each other. Paul says, we are parts of the same body, the same organism. And I mean, sometimes, no matter how gifted or smart or, or expert you are at some area, sometimes somebody else actually has the insight from God that's smarter and more gifted than you. So I always have a little, Paul's, behind this is a little bit Paul Paul, I think what Paul would say is a little bit of godly Um, humility and maybe even some some uh, self-skepticism. But the startling thing so on the one hand we're not just we're not just consumers or passengers we're part of a team so lowest level I just I'm just a consumer or passenger second level I'm part of a team I'm a part of an organism but there's an even more revolutionary thing a mind-blowingly revolutionary thing and that is um, well there's more So uh, there are teams, right, baseball teams, and football teams, so everyone plays their part and they function well, you know. A good baseball team, the pitcher isn't trying to be the cleanup hitter. And the left tackle on a football team isn't trying to be the free safety. I'm having a hard time with my ear thing, aren't I? Uh, so everyone's fulfilling their role for which they're gifted. Right? Joe Montana um, was a great quarterback, but he really couldn't play any other position. I mean, he had famously like his legs were like toothpicks, or more muscular than his legs were. And so I mean, it'd be great for him to play that position. You don't want him playing some other position. Ronnie Lott, the best ever, <laughs> you know, at defensive back, but might, might not be the best quarterback. I, I don't know. But in the symphony orchestra, there is a concert mistress, she's the number one violinist, but she's not trying to play the kettle drum. So everyone's fulfilling their role, for which they're gifted. But even then, a team where everyone knows their roles can also be a team where people are in it for themselves. Right? So even an organism, you can still have it people being in it for themselves. And there are basketball teams in which there are players for themselves, and there are tons of examples of office, of office politics. You ever had this experience at work? Work politics, where people are in it for themselves? And I'm going to say it sure looks like there are politicians who are in it for themselves. So, that, that's, that's, so even when you're on a team and functioning in that team, you can still be in it for yourself. So the lowest level is, no, I'm, I'm just, I don't even think of myself as part of a team. I'm competing with you. But even when you're on a team, even when you're in an organism, you can still carry that idea forward, that spirit forward. So Paul says, no, there's something more. So the Christian community is more than a group of passengers. It's a body, it's an organism, where we need each other. We don't just condescend to allow the other person to be there. We actually need each other. And that's a challenge to think through how well, how often we actually live into that. Do we understand that we need each other? There are areas where I'm needy, and I know I'm needy, but there are areas where I'm needy and I don't even know it. And so in order to meet those, I I need to develop a more humble, open attitude about how I do everything, not just how I approach the areas where I'm aware I'm needy. So, Paul goes then one step higher than just the Christian community as an organism. So, here are the contrasts tongues. We speak in tongue tongues of men and angels. So, Paul's saying, okay, that's a gift, spiritual gift, the gift of, 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 of tongues, and that might be you're speaking, um, you're, you're actually speaking with some kind of wisdom that comes directly from God. Also, you're speaking in a language, maybe a language you've never learned before, but that's intelligible to other people. And that's clearly like some kind of supernatural gift. And there are people who had that that were saying, that's like the most important thing. So since I have that gift, that means I'm better than those of you who don't have it. So I sit in the front row and I get that better meals when the airplane food service comes. And then there are other people that have prophetic powers. So in a miraculous ability from God. So to prophesy isn't just to speak the future, but it's actually, that what it technically means is to speak God's word. So it's really clear that you're, that you're a person who God uses to communicate. And boy, if you had that gift, you'd be pretty easy to start feeling pretty good about yourself. But what Paul says is, God gives spiritual gifts not based on, on what he knows about you. He gives them in in, in essence at random. He just tosses them out there, like he goes to the cupboard, his spiritual, you know, his, his his heavenly cupboard, opens it up, pulls out the big jar, says mixed spiritual gifts, pours that bunch out in his hand, closes his eyes, and just tosses them out out of heaven, and they land on us. So why are you so excited about yourself that you can have the gift of prophecy when it's a, when it's just a gift and it says nothing about. About the, uh, about the quality of your character, about your, about your, uh, t- about your discipline, or about your godliness. It's, it's at random. In the same way that some, that some people maybe are really, really smart, but they're, they're pretty evil. And you think it'd be better if they weren't so smart, given how evil they are. So he says, that's, that, those things are random. But what about if you have the faith, to, some people have the faith to move mountains. I don't have that, I don't think I have that much faith. I know people with that. I, I've got, I've got a, a good amount of faith. What about people who have generosity, give everything away? So, do you notice anything about that list? Anything strike you about that list? There's four, but there's, there's more gifts than that, but those are the four he, he lists. So um, I think they get, le- it seems to me they get less flashy. Like the first two are pretty flashy. And like, I, don't know if, I don't know if there are many people who can say, you know, I, I, I want the spiritual gift of, going, of, of being burned alive. That's, what, that's the one I want. <laughs> don't think that's the one we're all lining up for. Yeah, that's what I want for dessert. I want the burning alive thing. You get a little bit less flashy as it goes on. Yeah, they're not bad, none are bad, but the last two look, well, they look like those are pretty laudable. Maybe not the burning of life part, but giving everything away. So, unmistakable evidence of God working, prophetic powers, mystery from God, this miraculous ability, faith to move mountains. So, tongues, uh, glossa is the word for tongue in Greek, laleo is, the, is a verb to speak, so it literally means tongue talking. Uh, and it means, yeah, maybe you're speaking in the spirit, that's tongues of men. Uh, or of angels conversing in about the mysteries of heaven. But anyway, you look at it, it's way above normal human ability, way beyond that. And so, but you don't have love. So if you got that awesome thing that most people would 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 crave, would pay for, which they pay money. But you don't have love. What are you? You're just you're just a magnifying device. That's what it actually means. A magnifying device. I mean, in the ancient world, they didn't have electronics. So, I mean, you mean, you'd have to, they'd have like a, a shell maybe that you'd speak into and it and it would, it would magnify your voice. So, you're just a magnifying device. That's not, that doesn't say anything about the content, the quality of what you're talking about. Why? Because the message is coming from God, not from you. All you are is a megaphone, like at, you know, football games from the 50s, that cone thing. That's really exciting. <laughs> and you're turning into how, how awesome you are. If I had to get the prophecy, speaking God's word, if I can fathom all knowledge, like you're really insightful. So not just know stuff, but know what it means, and can see how it's all put together. So if you can blow people away with how insightful you are, how deeply you understand stuff, well, or, or, and you have all knowledge, so you do you've got, So you are really smart. Now that's quite a list. That'd be be awesome. And if you have faith, they can move mountains. So that's even more. Mm -hmm. But you have not love. I'm nothing. That's even lower. (laughs) I, I am nothing. So you're getting all excited about this spiritual gift you have, but Paul's saying, boy, if you don't have that, if you don't have love and what this all, what he means by all, all that, what's behind that, you're nothing. Mike, there must be something broken with my ear, I don't know, so I'll just, I'll just talk this way. And if I give away all I have to the poor, and ever have suffer torture, but have not love, I gain nothing. I merely amplify, and while I'm amplifying, If I'm trying to make it about me, all I make is a clanging sound. Like dropping a bunch of pots that you're supposed to put in the cupboard and they slip through your fingers and crash to the floor. Or I am nothing. Or I gain nothing. So these things you've been so excited about? Zero, zero, zero. I think I'm speaking heavenly, but I'm, I'm just making noise. If I think I'm smart, I'm nothing. If I, even if I give everything away, I gain nothing by doing that. So Paul says we have these gifts and they're operating, but what's going on within? We are, are we secretly making it about ourselves? That's, what he's, that's the point he's getting at. So what's his alternate path? Love. Love is patient. Now, this is, the next, this is where we're going next, but, but he's setting this up. Love is patient, love is kind. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Love hopes all things, endures all things. So, backing up a little bit, here, here Paul is um, echoing the teaching of Jesus. Remember this passage? Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. You clean the outside of a cup and of a plate, but inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside so that the outside might also become clean. So the outside is clean. You've cleaned it. But inside, I mean, the, so the way you're operating, the way people see you, I mean, the way you're displaying what talents God has given you, that's, that's good, that's awesome. You're being, it's being used for good stuff. But inside, you're doing it from old-fashioned, human, selfish, self-interested motives. And uh, what really matters is is if you become the person God made you to be instead of just acting like the person God made you to be. For Jesus' actions may be right, but ultimately it's the disposition of the heart. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. So the closest thing to what you do is the strength part. But love the Lord, God with all your heart, you know, that's the center of, of your being. That's, that's what you feel. That's what motivates you. Mind, that, yeah, that's the smarty-pants stuff, but that's not all it is. And soul, like your whole, that's the totality of who you are. And then finally the strength part. That's at the end after, after the character has been formed. So God, so love, Paul says, allows God to work in us what he wants to work in us, not what we want him to work in us. Because I'm caught. I am caught. Like Jesus says, you're a thorn bush. You want to have figs? Two ways. Grab some figs, staple them to yourself. Or be transformed into a fig tree. Where you just grow figs. So I'm cocked because that old thorn bush hangs on tight and there are, I'm going to say there are opposers. So even this word tolerance um, is a poser. So uh, James Madison, uh, well in 1776 right July 1776 the colonies declared their independence from Great Britain Uh, Virginia declared its independence a couple months before and after having declared it they the the people that that were at this convention started developing their own constitution and Article 16 was their freedom of religion clause like their version of the Bill of Rights and the way it was written originally it said uh, the free toleration of religion will tolerate religion and James Madison didn't like that language why? because if you're tolerating me that means i'm good as long as you're doing as you're you continue to tolerate but you're in a position to take that toleration away the person tolerating is by definition claiming to be superior so the, so the tolerator is just doing it and it's a way of saying even though they're given that toleration it, it's with this 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 specter of, I'm actually more important than you, stronger than you. And so that's why Madison wanted um, the the free exercise of religion, not the toleration of religion. And think about what Paul says. This this passage just is incredible, what he says in Ephesians 2. He himself is our peace, who's, this is between Jews and, and everybody else, who is destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So, walls, like there are walls in Northern Ireland, there are walls in Palestine that separate peoples, and, and they're meant to maintain peace, but actually, they're really there just to maintain, to hold back explosions of violence, so it's not real peace, it's the, it's the perception of peace they create. If there weren't hostility, you wouldn't need a wall. And Paul says, what Christ has accomplished on the cross, because he's made it possible for the spirit of the living God to come and dwell within us and transform us from the inside out. What Christ has accomplished on the cross has made it possible. He's made one new person out of two. And that he's done right now. So it, it's not like once we get to heaven, that new person can be. He says it's happening, it can happen right now. Because of what Christ accomplished on the cross and the Spirit of the Living God, if you're a Christian, has come to live in you. So you can get past that addiction to yourself and your own way of doing things. He's made it, He's made peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. That's past tense. They've already been reconciled. So what's this mirror showing us about ourselves? So we are now on the last lap, in case you're wondering. So we've got about five minutes left, <laughs> in case you're wondering. Well, Luther said we're curbed in upon ourselves. We have this, the, the way we are is this kind of broken, this brokenness, and we can't help but right, turn and stuff to be about ourselves. Even when we're trying not to be, we're trying to be friendly and kind and giving, we end up thinking about ourselves a lot. So some folks desire revelation and supernatural gifts marking the favor of God. But they can desire it as a type of ambition to possess God and his gifts. Instead of saying, God, use me how you will, we pray, God, um, I'd like to be used this way. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Some desire, even, uh, some desires are even more truly spiritual, to put to death external passions, for example. But we can desire these so as to lead the delicious life of spiritual reflection within. Primarily just enjoying me and Jesus as we cruise along in our air-conditioned car and don't really think much about the people we're passing. Others seek from the world a reputation of unselfishness and generosity. But what is more delicious to self-love than to be applauded for not being self-love? And people are doing this. They deceive themselves even as they're deceiving others. So those are just ways we are crazy curbed in on ourselves. So what do I gain with this, Paul, with this false pretending to be real path? Paul says, I gain nothing. We may think we're a beautiful instrument, and maybe other people think, "Yep, yeah, that Dave guy, he's one beautiful instrument. <laughs> and authentically exercising the gift can and does authentically help others. It does. So Paul in Philippians chapter one says, some preach Christ from rivalry and selfish ambition. Can you imagine that? People preaching the gospel from rivalry and selfish ambition. And Paul's not excited about that motivation, but what he does say is, yep, but you know what? Christ is being preached. So that's good. But we can help others in such a way that we are doing damage to our souls. How wounded and weak and confused are we? We often wound others in our own woundedness, and we're even wounded ourselves. So sometimes we wound ourselves when we're comforting others. So, what Paul is saying here is, trade in the old path and follow a new one. The great physician, the healer, the lover of our souls his way is the path Paul will now illumine. That's the rest of chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Thank you Father for your your love for us and for this day. For your word. Your servant Paul who was a person really full of himself and learned to live in you. Thank you for his teaching, for the chance we have to ask the Spirit to communicate this truth, not just to our heads, but to our hearts and to our hands. We pray in your name. Amen.